What if the past had turned out differently? The Green Bay Packers have won the Super Bowl. I was told that playing in Green Bay was not an option. With the 24th selection in the 2005 NFL Draft, the Green Bay Packers select Aaron Rodgers, quarterback, California. And Mikowski appears hurt. Uh, Mikowski's in great pain, Ahmad. And reliable sources now tell CBS Sports that Parcells is very close to accepting a Green Bay Packers offer. Gentlemen, let me introduce to you the new head coach of the Green Bay Packers, Mr. Phil Bankston. What would the past look like? What would the future look like? If. And that begins What If, the segment where we take an event from the Packers' past, we tweak it a little bit, and then we debate the ramifications. And we've got a great draft-related What If topic sent to us by our great fan, John Bellish. And someday we'll forgive him for being a Broncos fan, but I don't think I'm ready for that yet. Uh, He sends... What if the scout who threw a fit got his way and the pack drafted Montana in 1979? He says allegedly there was a scout who threw a fit in the war room. He came back in and asked Bart Starr, tell me we took Montana. Starr said no, and the scout went out to the hall to compose himself. So certainly that would be a big, big change in Packers history. Uh, Matt, would you like me to begin this one, or do you want to give a stab at it? Yeah, no, go for it. Okay. The Packers ended up drafting, uh, Matt and I actually were talking about this before we went on the air, they apparently drafted two running backs in the 79 draft to start, right Matt? Yep, one and two. <laughs> okay, and the first one was Eddie Lee Ivory, who had a, a decent injury-riddled career for the Packers, and then the second one was... Uh, Steve Atkins. Uh, Steve Atkins, who I don't recall doing anything of note with the Green Bay Packers. Uh, obviously not firsthand, but in any of my uh, viewings of uh, the Packers' history since then. The 49ers ended up drafting Joe Montana in the third round, and of course, the rest is history. He ended up being a kind of a spot starter his first two years, became the full-time starter uh, in the later in the 79 season, led the team in passing uh, for the, or, I'm sorry, in the later in the 80 season, ended up leading the team in passing from 1981 through 1990, and won four Super Bowls along the way, making the playoffs nine times. So the Packers didn't have anywhere close to that kind of success in that period, only having one playoff berth being during the strike-shortened year of 1982. So I guess the big thing to start with was what would the effect have been on the Green Bay Packers, and if Montana comes to the Packers, the first reservation that I had was Joe Montana gets a lot of publicity as the West Coast passer in Bill Walsh's system, and it's hard to quantify how much Bill Walsh meant to Joe Montana's career. You can say that it meant, obviously, a lot, but who knows? Bart Starr might have had a very good chance to actually mold a quarterback who had decent skills. Uh, the only quarterbacks he actually had a chance to work with were Lynn Dickey, who was already a veteran by the time he got there, and Charlie Whitehurst, who who really wasn't any good by the time, or ever really in his career. I mean, he was a nice guy and everything, but he never really did much for the team. So the thing I was worried about is that Starr's offense was very different than the Walsh West Coast offense in that they tended to have a traditional 70s, 60s vertical passing game that the Packers had had going back to the 1930s at that point. They liked to throw the ball downfield. So the first thing I wanted to look at was how good would Montana be in that vertical passing game system? Well, it turns out he probably would have been pretty good because the yards per pass attempt from 1979 when Montana was a rookie through 1985 when Lynn Dickey retired, which would be the the years I looked at to kind of get a feel for the differences between the two quarterbacks. 
maybe I'm the only one ever to try to see, is Montana as good as Lynn Dickey? <laughs> <laughs> but that's what I wanted to find out. Um, Lynn Dickey was third in the NFL in those seven seasons in yards per pass attempt, but Montana was fifth, so... That indicates that he was still throwing the ball downfield quite a bit and quite accurately for the 49ers during those years. It was only a difference of a four-tenths of a yard per pass attempt. So I believe that Montana still would have thrived in Bart Starr and uh, uh, Bob Schnelker was the offensive coordinator who really ran that offense. So I think Montana could have been great in that vertical passing game. Also, Montana, which is the big thing, he only threw 67 interceptions to Dickey's 123 in those seven years, and Montana only fumbled 23 times, while Dickey fumbled 48 times. Wow. And so I think Montana would have improved the offense immensely, uh, given the, those parameters. And when you think about it, you look at Joe Montana, he would have been with James Lofton in his prime. And if we assume that Lynn Dickey was still really good, so I think we can assume really good for the time, obviously. He's not an all-time great, but he was still one of the top 10 quarterbacks in the league at the time. So we can assume that even a young Joe Montana would have been good enough that the team would have made similar personnel moves, or at least that's how I'm operating for the purposes of this. They would have had James Lofton only drafted the year before. They would have still gotten John Jefferson. They would have had Paul Kaufman, the great tight end, and they all would have been in their primes together. And I guess to just go back and give some perspective on the offenses, the Packers offense under Bart Starr and under Forrest Gregg in the 80s, mainly under uh, Bob Schnelker, was very good. In 83 and 84, they finished in the top seven in both points scored and total offense. And um, since Montana was better than Dickey, you obviously would have expected them to score more points without as many turnovers. Um, the thing I worried about is the defense, because the one thing people say Joe Montana is great, he certainly is, but... Montana has been quietly paired with one of the best defensive dynasties in the history of the NFL. From 81 to 1990, the 49ers finished in the top three in scoring defense seven times in ten years. And the others were eighth, fourth, and then 23rd in the strike-shortened 82 season, which was the only year they didn't make the playoffs. The Packers' defense in those times was not good. Uh, they average in the mid-teens during that time period, and during some of their best offensive years, uh, particularly 1981 and 1983, they had uh, offenses, or excuse me, scoring defense in the 20s, and they had the worst defense in total yards given up in 1983. So, obviously it would have been tough for the Packers to be quite that much better with Montana, and I guess let's assume he starts right in 79. I assume 79, 80, 81, 82 are going to be pretty similar. 83, I think they'll be a game or two better, potentially making the playoffs with Joe Montana with that 83 offense. The big one that I looked at was 1984. The 84 Packers went 8-8, eight and eight, despite being 2nd in total yards on offense, 6th in points scored, 10th in points allowed, and they lost 6 games by 6 points or less. And they went 8-8, eight and eight, uh, Pro Football Reference, which does a metric to see how many uh, games you should have won, said they should have been a 10 or 11 win team, statistically. And they only won 8 games. So I think that if you look at the statistics, Montana in close games in 84 as a 28-year-old had a 89 rating to Lynn Dickey's 84 rating, and that's including a 4-interception game for Montana. So you take that out, he was a 98.5 passer in the close games. If they can win those close games, they're a 12-13 to 13 win team, even if they only win, you know, 4 of those. So I think that 
1984 Packers, this is going to sound ridiculous, the 1984 Packers could have potentially contended for a Super Bowl with Joe Montana in 1984. Montana would have been 28, James Lofton, John Jefferson, Paul Kaufman would have been 28, Jerry Ellis, the productive running back, was 27, their defensive stars, Ezra Johnson, Mike Douglas, John Anderson, Mark Lee, Mike Murphy, uh, Mark Murphy, sorry, were all between the ages of 26 and 29. The Packers from 84 to 86 would have had a chance to make a run at the Super Bowl, and considering the best team during those years was the 49ers, who if you look at the drafts of 79 and 80, would have been crippled at least until the 83 draft at the quarterback position. They wouldn't have been anywhere. So the Packers had, would have had a chance with Montana, and maybe Matt thinks I'm overreaching, but I think from 84 to 86, depending on if they could beat the Bears and beat the Giants, in this bizarro universe, the Packers with Montana would have been, in my opinion, a Super Bowl contender in the mid-80s. Okay, um, and I, I'm just going to jump right to, I guess, that 84 season that you kind of pointed out. To me, you said that, um, well, they were, I don't remember the exact numbers, but they were really high up in, um, in scoring offense and everything, and that Lynn yep. Dickey's... Um, second in total yards, sixth in points scored, tenth in points allowed. Guess, I guess to me, with being second in points scored and Lynn Dickey having such a good year and his quarterback rating was only 4% lower than, than Montana's was that year, that kind of tells me that that wasn't really necessarily the problem. Mm-hmm. I mean, he had years where he, he threw for 4,500 yards one year. I think it was in, what, 83? Yeah. Um, so, I don't know. To me, it's just that he... Lynn Dickey was a pretty good quarterback. I mean, he's definitely not Joe Montana. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to argue that for one second. But, I mean, we even heard at James Lofton's retirement speech, or I think the Hall of Fame speech, mm-hmm. that uh, he thought Lynn Dickey would have been a Hall of Famer had there been a little bit more around him. So I I do think that they would have been a Super Bowl contender, potentially. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think they would have won any Super Bowls. But I think one of the big points there is that it takes the 49ers out of the equation a little bit. Yeah. And, um, I mean, but you still, with the Bears and the Giants there, I don't think they get past those teams any of those years. Even at their best in 84, like you said, I don't, I, I don't think they get past those teams any of those years. They're not that good. Um, the defense wasn't good enough, and I, I don't, even the players that you mentioned, I mean, John Jefferson was, was pretty decent, but it's, it's not Jerry Rice, it's not John Taylor, it's not Roger Craig, and, and you didn't even bring up the 49ers offensive mm-hmm. line that they had to protecting Joe Montana either, so, uh, but the, the- yeah, and, and I agree, and I guess, sorry, I didn't mean to jump right back in here, but would we know anything about Jerry Rice or John Taylor or Roger Craig if Montana wasn't there? I yeah. mean, they would have been Jerry Ellis and John Jefferson, and Jerry yeah. Rice would have been James Lofton if he wouldn't have had Joe Montana. Yeah, and yeah, you're potentially right, and you know it's 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 really hard. I it, I would love to see it. I mean, wouldn't it be nice to be able to watch NFL <laughs> films from the '80s and actually exist in it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a good cool, point. You have all these cool films of the 49ers and all these teams and the Giants that you can go back and watch, but it's like we didn't even exist in the '80s or the '70s, so we don't even get to be a part of all that awesome stuff. But yeah, uh, you know, I think that I think you're right. I think they're much more of a contender, and I think that they maybe make a couple of runs at it, but I don't think they get past the NFC Championship game mm-hmm. any of those years. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you never know. It, it would have been pretty awesome. Had do we know? And you know, if if Montana mm-hmm. could have got them somewhere, but I, I don't think any Super Bowls. Um, even with Montana, and and who knows, like, he he might not develop as much in our offense as he did in their offense, um, or even giving a chance with kind of the uh, the carousel of uh, I know Dickey kind of held down the position for a while, but really an unstable position for 25 years after Bart mm-hmm. Starr retired, pretty much. So mm-hmm. I don't the, know. The worst I, thing working for him is how unstable and stupid the organization was managed for those 25 years. I mean, that's something he would have had to have overcome. Yep. 
the the thing though I think and and it's obviously a huge projection on my part but I think you're understating a little bit just how much better the Packer offense could have been because they were arguably for that 81 through 84 anyways one of the most explosive offenses of all time and this is with D- Lynn Dickey turning the ball over like crazy and I I looked up the numbers Lynn Dickey from 80 to 85 had 21 games with three or more interceptions and that's only from 80 to 85. Montana only had six his entire career, which is as many that Dickey had in 1983 alone. I mean, so if you just don't turn the ball over as often as the Packers would have, they could have won an extra three games a year, potentially. Yeah, but at the same same time, you're also talking about Lynn Dickey, who was behind a much shoddier offensive line, was getting, mm-hmm. getting hit a lot more, therefore fumbling more and throwing the ball up more, mm-hmm. and with a much worse defense having to force the issue a little bit at the end of the games and mm-hmm. having to put up 4,500 yards of passing um, a season and having to be, you know, be one of the top passers in the league and mm-hmm. have one of the top offenses. So they had to be aggressive just because he wasn't getting the help around him that, that Montana was in San Francisco, too. No, that's definitely a fair point. And uh, obviously Montana though in those younger years in his 20s was a very mobile quarterback. He was <laughs> he was a, a pretty darn good athlete. So I think it would have limited it some, but it certainly wouldn't have been the same as and and the the who knows as far as uh, San Francisco too with you know they had a great offensive line, but also that West Coast offense kind of protects a bad offensive line. Yep. I mean the the 96 Packers were one of the most explosive offenses of all time and their offensive line stunk. Favre got sacked 40 times that season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think the big thing, uh, like I said, is the 84 team is the one I focused on because the head and shoulders best team in the NFL, at least in the NFC that year, was the 49ers. And they wouldn't have been there if Joe Montana was not there. Um, unless, of course, they stink in 83 and then potentially get either Elway, Marino, or Jim Kelly, which completely changes everything. Yeah. One of those guys is the savior for Bill Walsh's career, which is hanging by a thread at that point. Um I think they could have maybe been better than the Bears in 84. I don't think they're better than the Bears in 85 by any means, because Montana's Niners got beat up by the Bears in 85. In 86, too, the, um, Montana's Niners lost to the Giants 49-3 to in the 86 playoffs. Uh, and that team as a whole would have been better than the Packers. But I'm not ruling out 84. I think the Packers could have made a nice little run in 84, but who knows, that might have just gone down as, hey, remember the 84 team? Who'd you like better, them or the 89 team? You know, just yeah. one of those... Uh, bumps in the the Packer history. Yeah, I uh, I I agree with you. I I think they would have definitely had a shot, more of a shot mm-hmm. than they did with Dickey and and their current offense or the the offense that they did have. But I mm-hmm. I think that you think that they would uh, be a little bit more of a contender than I would, I guess overall. Sixteen and oh seven straight seasons. I think. They would have. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the last question I have: If Joe Montana becomes a Packer. And I'm saying I probably have the rosiest of expectations here. Let's say in my best case scenario, they're a Super Bowl contender from 84 through 86, and then the team gets old. Um, and I'm assuming they have the same incompetent drafting and such that they had at the time. And let's say they even win the Super Bowl in 1984. Mm-hmm. Joe Montana is still not Joe Montana, undisputed king of all quarterbacks, like he's treated now amongst uh, – I don't necessarily agree with that uh, wholeheartedly. Um some days I do, but that's how he's treated within right. the NFL community. Who is that guy if if Joe Montana isn't? I guess it's probably Elway then at that point. Um, or I think Bradshaw Brady's, maybe? Yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like Elway did a little more to carry his team. Obviously Bradshaw has more Super Bowls. And I, I'm sure somebody could make a better argument that actually saw Bradshaw play, you mm-hmm. know, 
I've only seen the Super Bowls, and that's the best of his career. Right. Um, I, Tom Brady's quick approaching that. I think by the time he retires, I think he's right there. But, but he's yeah, got the I mean, two Super Bowl this... losses. He's not perfect like Montana right. is. Yeah, and Elway as well had some Super Bowl losses. So I mm-hmm. I think right now, if you don't say Montana for, as your answer for that question, you have to put up an argument. Um, and he seems to be pretty much the clear cut. And, you know, mm-hmm. it's hard to make an argument against that. I'm perfect in the Super Bowls and, and won four of them. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, without him, I guess you would have to say Elway or you could maybe even throw Brady in there too, Bradshaw. But there's definitely no clear cut and it's more of an argument than it is right now. Yeah, maybe. I just thought of this. And I know you didn't pay as close attention to my video game seasons when we were kids as I did to yours. But I don't know if you'll recall one year on uh, NHL 04, I traded for Danny Heatley, not because I needed him, but because I wanted my Calgary Flames favorite, Jerome McGinley, to not have any competition for the goals lead that year. (laughs) And so, okay. So maybe Bart Starr drafts Joe Montana to sabotage his career and solidify himself as the all-time clutchest, biggest of big-game quarterbacks. There you go. Then he's right back in there too. Actually, another one that might be there, Johnny Unitas. I, yeah. I mean, people obviously we haven't seen him play it, but I, I mean, even you look back at the numbers now, he might be considered the clear-cut best quarterback of all time. Maybe he should be right now, anyways. <laughs> yeah, that's a really good point. So he probably definitely vaults back in there. So. If Montana becomes a Packer in 79, it's uh, a lot more of an interesting debate, I guess, at bar rooms across America about who's the greatest quarterback of all time, because it probably isn't Joe. And while we're talking what-ifs, since... Daniel Johnson said bring back what if. He left us a comment a while ago, and Daniel, I want to apologize to you for not getting to this comment earlier, but you left a comment on our Facebook page all the way back in May. Gosh, I I feel horrible about that. Um, He says, I just listened to your podcast where you discussed the Packers drafting Montana in 1979. One thing you didn't bring up is if you think San Francisco would have still gotten Steve Young but had him start right away, and if that would have led home would have led to Holmgren getting hired by the Packers. Also, would Green Bay still have wanted Favre in 92, and would that have created a passing-the-torch situation in Packers history from Montana to Favre to Rodgers? Well, first of all, I just listened to that myself prior to going uh, to recording this because I wanted to catch up on on what we had said there um, to you should probably seek it out because it actually was a, a pretty good segment if I want to toot our own horn a little bit here. I had argued that I thought the Packers would have been a Super Bowl contender from 84 through 87 if Joe Montana had been the quarterback. I thought they would have won it potentially in 1984. Uh, Matt was less enthusiastic about that possibility, but I I would definitely suggest taking a listen to that as it it was one of our better what-if segments. As far as San Francisco getting Steve Young, uh, that's very difficult to say. He had a rough go of things with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in 1985 and 1986. I, it depends, as we talked about in the segment, it depends all on whether or not they would have gotten one of those really good quarterbacks in the 1983 draft. If they had gotten either Marino or Elway or uh, Jim Kelly, that changes everything. And they would have been relatively young there. I know Joe Montana was still relatively young when they got Steve Young in 1987, but, you know, Elway was in his, you know, 
mid-20s. He was like 27 in 1987. Jim Kelly, same way. Dan Marino, uh, same way. Those guys all played for a decade after that. Well, as did Steve Young. But uh, Montana, I, I, I really don't know. Honestly, I don't think they would have got Steve Young. But then at the same point, it's not like he was all that hot of a commodity after his time in Tampa Bay. His record in Tampa Bay was 3-16 and as a starter. 11 touchdowns, 21 picks, a 63 quarterback rating. And now that's horrible if you judge him by today's young quarterback standards. Back then it's still pretty bad, but almost every quarterback struggled their first couple of years. The learning curve which was much steeper uh, back in those days as the college game was quite a bit different than the NFL game. So almost no one came right out of college and played great other than maybe Dan Marino and uh, Elway you know, struggled a little bit his first year, but it was still one of the better half of the quarterbacks in the NFL, same with guys like Jim Everett. But for the most part, quarterbacks were very bad when they started uh, in the 80s, 70s, things like that. So I guess I don't know about Steve Young. I would suspect that probably he doesn't end up in San Francisco if they have one of these younger guys from 1983. Uh, If they don't have one of those guys from 1983, Bill Walsh is probably long gone if they weren't able to get one of those good quarterbacks. And then, you know, who knows what happens depending on who their head coach might be. The other thing you had mentioned is if uh, Holmgren would have got hired by the Packers, that depends, I guess, on Bill Walsh and things like that. Uh, Mike Holmgren, I'm not sure where he would have been uh, had they not gotten one of those good quarterbacks. But let's just, for a while, pretend that, um, well, let's see, Holmgren was at BYU until 1985, and then he was the quarterback's coach for the 49ers. So let's say for whatever reason, he still ends up the quarterback coach for the 49ers, and they still end up with Steve Young. Um, I guess it depends on... I'm not really sure what the situation would have been. Uh, One of the things with this, with the Steve Young, Mike Holmgren thing, is it almost is the chicken and the egg scenario. Which came first, the great player or the great coach? So... Was Mike Holmgren a great coach because he had Joe Montana, then Steve Young, then Brett Favre? Or were those three players great because they had an opportunity to work with Mike Holmgren? Uh, clearly, Joe Montana is great without Mike Holmgren, but the other two guys, it's less clear. Ah, oh, gosh, this is this is really hard. We're, we're trying to speculate on something almost a decade after the thing we changed in the what-if. I would say probably not, just due to the butterfly effect that had Montana not been a Niner, they probably are not a powerhouse, then Mike Holmgren might end up elsewhere, might be in a lesser position to rise to prominence so quickly. If Mike Holmgren doesn't have the 49er dynasty under his belt, doesn't get to step right into one of the best teams in the NFL with two of the best quarterbacks of all time on his staff, he likely does not rise to prominence to be getting head coaching jobs as quickly as he did. Um, you know, coming into the NFL in 1986 and then being hired as a head coach just six years later is quite rare. You had guys like Mike McCarthy, who clearly are very talented head coaches, who took twice that long to be able to get considered for head coaching jobs. So I would say, having just kind of thought about it a little bit, I would say no. I don't think Mike Holmgren ends up with the Green Bay Packers. And who knows, maybe uh, Forrest Gregg or or probably not Bart Starr, but who knows? Who knows who's the Packers coach if they had won the Super Bowl in 1984? Uh, it might still be Bart Starr, you know, just playing out the string with his, uh, you know, losing football games, but, you know, you can't fire him because he's a, your, your greatest quarterback and now also one of your greatest coaches. So uh, who knows about that? 
And then finally, also, would Green Bay have still wanted Favre in 1992, and that would have created a passing of the torch situation in Packers history from Montana to Favre to Rodgers. This one all depends on whether or not Ron Wolf is the general manager, because he seemed to have a unique desire to get Brett Favre. There didn't seem to be as much enthusiasm for Brett Favre, and, and, and maybe I'm wrong, and maybe I'm just kind of... Uh, affected by the NFL film's narrative of nobody believes in us, which is the story everybody has, even if that's not the case. But it seemed, from what I've read, that nobody thought as highly of Brett Favre as Ron Wolf did. And Ron Wolf is the main reason why Brett Favre ended up in Green Bay. And so, I, I really don't know. I think that it's likely that if the Packers win a Super Bowl, they're not in the market for a new architect in 1991 like they were in reality. So Ron Wolf probably goes to Tampa Bay, or he stays with the New York Jets, or he goes somewhere else, and likely wherever Ron Wolf goes, Brett Favre goes. So I don't even want to speculate uh, where where that could be. Let's say Ron Wolf ends up with Tampa Bay, then Brett Favre goes to Tampa Bay, and if Brett Favre is in Tampa Bay without Ron Wolf, maybe Sam Weiss turns him into something. Who knows what happens? So I would say... Uh, no, I don't think it would have created a passing of the torch situation in Packers history from Ma- Montana to Favre to Rodgers. Because I think that if Ron Wolf doesn't come to the Packers, I don't think Brett Favre does either. I think Brett Favre goes to wherever Ron Wolf goes. And Aaron Rodgers getting drafted by the Packers took place 26 years after the scenario we're talking. So I'm not even going to begin to speculate. Who knows if the with how much Aaron Rodgers loved the 49ers and loved the Packers, maybe the 49ers would have stunk. Aaron Rodgers wouldn't have loved the 49ers. And then so when he got passed in the draft by the San Francisco 49ers, it wouldn't have bothered his ego. He would have got drafted by somebody, but he would have been a much uh, less motivated person and he would have stunk in the NFL and been out by two. 2009. Who knows? Um, but, you know, that's what What If is for. So I don't uh, I don't really know, but uh, hopefully that kind of answers some of the questions you have. <laughs>